Okie doke, marriage and mental illness. I'm Mark. This is my beautiful wife, Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a chat today about an aspect of my mental illness. I was diagnosed with PTSD, CPTSD, with extreme anxiety and depression uh, 15 years ago now. Um, yeah. We've been living with it since then. We've been married for 25 years, 26 this year. I don't know. Somewhere we lose count. Um, <laughs> And today, you wanted to talk about how I perceive things. Yeah, so what, what I wanted to delve in today was how a person who is either caring or on the outside of the situation um, sees the person with the mental health issue. I often find that the person who's suffering doesn't actually realise or recognise um their behaviours or the fact that, as we've talked about in at other times, um, how they can not talk, they can say nothing, but not even realise that they're not engaging with people. So we want to sort of go into all about the perceptions. Okay. All right. So when I'm in a bad mental health space, what do I present as? What do you see? You come across as uh, disinterested, yeah. quiet, and at times annoyed if people need to come into your space and talk to you. Yep. Not all the time, let's be fair, not all the time, um, but sometimes you can. Come across as Come across that, that way. Yeah. You may not feel that way, um, but that's just how how it can look to yeah. others. And, and I guess it's important to note that I do have resting grumpy face. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Which is something I didn't realise until quite recently. So that's been an interesting journey. So, <laughs> A journey of self-discovery. <laughs> so, like, in my worst times, I know that I appeared disinterested. Am I disinterested as far as you're concerned is it like i've just given up and i don't care remembering that this is coming from a place of many years experience in helping and dealing with your mental health i know that you're not so much disinterested or caring i think if you're going through a bit of a mental health crisis or if you're just not feeling good with your mentors, mm-hmm. um, I actually just think you're so caught up in your own mind and managing that, perhaps putting in um, a billion different strategies that that's how it can come across that you're disinterested and distant. Does it, it, it doesn't really help that I'm an extrovert as well, like naturally, before I was hurt. Um, you would call me a, a, an extrovert, somebody that comes in and dominates a room. Now, I'm not really aware of that um, per se. Like I don't mm. walk into a room and go, I'm the centre of attention. You still dominate a room, but not because you say I'm the centre of attention. You just naturally do. Okay. So with the change in my demeanour to becoming quiet, to not being so, I guess, gregarious, has that translated into times where I haven't been doing well and it's kind of exacerbated it or 
like when you look at the comparison, you look at a black and white picture, you look at mm, a colour picture, yeah. you see no, I know two what different you mean. I know what you mean. Um, I think to other people perhaps they would think it's quite subtle. Yeah. But I think to people who you're living with day in, day out, it can really, really look like a vast difference when you're in one stage or where you're able to communicate with me, for example. You can talk about um, day-to-day things, even things about our kids. Mm -hmm. And then when you're going through uh, phases where you're not in such a great space, you really can't deal with anything outside of what's going on. So I probably couldn't, wouldn't be able to talk to you about issues with the with the kids or because I don't want to hear or the the fact that I just don't have capacity. I don't think you have capacity to. Yeah. Now you tell me. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But when I look at you, it tells me that you have no capacity to take on any more information. So I back out. Well, this has been an interesting thing with us because we've. We've gone through very, very distinct stages in our marriage. And I know at times I've pushed back against your care. Um, so you might be protective of me in certain situations, not giving me the full story on yes. perhaps things that are going on True. around. True. Um, and I know at times I've, I've, I've fought against that. I've said, no, you've, you've got to start trusting me. Um, trust that I, even though I might not seem like I've got ca- capability or capacity, um, the the idea that I do have capacity is one that's, I guess it's hard for you to let go of controls that you've built in place that are safety mm. mechanisms for you and for me. Um, it can be hard to let go of those. Well, absolutely. Um it's it's a hard thing to to try and break down, but even now, at what we would consider your best, I think. Yep. Absolute best. Like today, or just now? Just generally okay. now. Yep. Within your mental health journey, where you are right now. Yep. I would still think about how I would approach a particular topic with you if I knew it would be difficult to hear. Okay. I would pick my moment. Sure. Okay. So, all right. I don't want to ask for examples because people are listening. And <laughs> I, no, just generally. I want to share, but I don't want to share that just, much. Just generally, if there was a huge issue going on with one of our kids, but not something that you needed to come in and have some immediate action into, yeah, I would probably and you weren't in a good space, I wouldn't talk to you about that. I would wait. I would pick my moment. Yeah. Or let's just say you're at the end of the day and you're quite tired, which actually caters to pretty much everybody at the end of the day. Um, I probably wouldn't raise things at that time. I would wait until you're in a fresh frame of mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, we now know that I've only got about five really good hours in me in a day where I can be focused, attentive, and it, it vacillates. It's sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. Um, so at night time, 
it can actually feel like I've just finished an emotional marathon. I guess I talk about that uh, a lot. So Absolutely. But I think for, for even most people without a mental health issue, if you've been working all day or you've been flat out all day by the time you get to the evening, you're going to be tired and you're not going to want to wrestle with the big questions of life at the end of the day. Yeah. You just want to relax in the recliner and go to bed, probably. <laughs> probably. And particularly because our kids aren't babies anymore. No, they're not. They're not. They're, they're big babies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're talking about perception. And one of the big things that you've mentioned recently that I wanted to ask you about was the fact that my perception of things, my remembrance of certain circumstances, conversations, can often be, if not skewed, can be completely wrong. My yes. perception of things. And sometimes there's been circumstances where you've forgotten the whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that, that can be frustrating when you've forgotten a whole conversation <laughs> and it was important. Like I forgot that it just happened at all. That's right. In your mind, you've said to me, we never had that conversation. And I've said to you, seriously, we were sitting out in the car, it was outside, out, the, out on the front of our house, and we sat in the car and kept talking, and you don't remember that, and you go, no. Okay. <laughs> That's happened a few times. <laughs> not, not conversations in the car so much, just generally conversations where you've forgotten whole com what we've talked about. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Yeah. You would have to tell me why you forget things. <laughs> now, I don't know whether it's the, what, what do they say? It's the male thing where the woman's going, what, 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 so you don't remember it? or Yeah, but you, you, don't, you know that's not how we communicate, though. It's, it's not, but I'm quite sure that if I was um, banging on about something that really wasn't that important, or you felt that that was important, I wouldn't blame you for probably wiping it. Yeah, but no, I mean, I, I my goal is to be engaged and to be a support yes, and be course. part of the team. <laughs> so I'm not intentionally forgetting things. Now, the, the other thing about that is that, um, and we used to find this when you were in my psychologist sessions, we would come out of a psychologist session and there would be an issue or a concern or a thought that came out and I would explain to you how I saw it and you're sitting there looking at me like, who could ever have come to that assumption? That's not what we were talking about. That was not the intent. So there's a perception on my part as a person with mental illness that can distort my immediate memory of even conversations. Your memory and also the important takeaway there is how you perceive how someone's saying something to you yeah. can also be distorted. Okay. And that can be quite an issue as well, can't it? I think so because often you can take on board something that someone said but you'll be telling me that they've said it to you in an aggressive manner or yep. in a rude manner. Yep. Um, that's offensive, whereas I was right there and that's not what happened and that wouldn't have been the intent. Right. So it's then about explaining to you, actually, that's not what happened at all. Now, that can be difficult if 
let's say you were very upset about it. Yeah. So I can still give you my point of view, my opinion, but then I'd need to step back and let you have a moment. Because I can guarantee you if I let you have a moment, you, re- you, you get some perspective, feel calmer about, about what we've talked about, you will think about it and then come back to me later and, and say that you agree. And this is an important point, and I was uh, I was actually asked this question the other day, and I I tried to answer it as best I could. Um, this perception that um, you're angry, and the 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 from looking at me, seeing my grumpy face, um, and thinking that the way I responded is is quite angry and I forgot what the question was that the person asked but it was really pertinent and it was really important and impactful yes so if you could just you've nod, just given like an example something. of forgetting <laughs> yeah no it's completely gone it's just happened it's just happened <laughs> oh man I'm hopeless <laughs> now that's the thing about me as well I'm not I wasn't generally a forgetful person. No. Before I got I, I wouldn't say that. It's, it's a long time ago, though. <laughs> it's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. Yeah. It is a long time. But it, 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 it does amaze me how often that my perception is completely wrong. Um, and I've found myself, I've learned to in the moment like while I'm in a moment and I might feel my heart rate increasing I'm able to step back a little bit sometimes not all Mm. the times and just go hang on a sec you you need to stop that you 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 you're starting to panic Uh, I actually had that at the school today I was at a school talking to kids about bullying and mental illness and one of the um, at one point the class got really disruptive and I could feel my heart rate pumping I could feel my temperature rising I was starting to feel cranky I was like starting to get mad at these kids even though they were private school kids absolutely beaten into submission by their teachers mm. um, and I did I had to I had to stop I had to take a deep breath. I had to be mindful of where I was. I had to be mindful that I was safe and that I was in control of the situation, that I could leave um, if I really needed to, which is a big thing, um, that not feeling trapped in a situation. Um, And, you know, even before a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't have been proud of that. I wouldn't even thought to tell that as a story because it just was like, it happens so often that mm. something happens and I'm, <gasps> okay, calm down, think, think, is it what's really, what's going on? Mm. Okay, so perceptions. The misconception can come from the person outside of the mental illness as well. We can assume that the person with mental illness is thinking one thing and their mouth might even be saying something, 
but their mind is telling them something completely different. Well, of course, because we're not a bunch of mind readers either. Um, you're not going to know all the time how someone is. And I think that's where developing a way to communicate and a way to talk about it without um, having a, to dig it through yeah. where the conversation needs to go on is important and having a language shorthand is what I would call it. Mm. Uh, this is another question I answered the other day and I won't forget it. Um, somebody asked that. They said, I've, I've got somebody that I care for, but when they're in bad mental health stage, I can't get through to them. We can't communicate. And I indicated to them that that was the problem. You're trying to communicate at the wrong time. Would you agree? Like when mm -hmm. somebody's in the middle of a mental health crisis is not the time to sit down and say, let's work on our communication. It's true, but it can also be hard because life doesn't stop because you're having a mental health crisis. And that can be really difficult for the person on the other end who's caring for you or who's part of your family because they may really need you, but you're not accessible. Yeah, but what I'm talking about is is not trying to build those communication strategies while somebody's in the middle of a crisis. Oh, of course. Yeah, you so, wait until you're in a good frame of mind and a good perspective to be able to do it and to be able to hear the other person's point of view, but also putting in those strategies that work for both. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, we had that thing early in our marriage where we would say, I need to tell you something, but you can't get upset because it wasn't an attack <laughs> and it wasn't uh, it wasn't me coming out of the gate, you've done something wrong and I hate you. It was like, mate, you're doing something in our relationship which hurts me or I don't feel comfortable with. Can we talk about it? But we always had to do that in a safe space and at an agreed time. Yeah. I mean, the other person is always still going to be thinking, oh, geez, what is that? Well, you do. But <laughs> when you take that emotion off the table, when, when you assure somebody that, hey, I'm not, this is not an attack, uh, mm. you know, I don't hate you, I'm just concerned about something. Can we talk about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think more importantly, with having someone in your life with mental health issues, you have to form an even more basic way of well, yeah. talking about things. Yeah. Because you can't get into a big conversation about it because it might actually make them feel uh, more anxious, more angry, or a lot of different emotions. Well, that's right. Even the conversation can be a trigger for people. Well, but, that's exactly right. But if you, and and, and we'll use our old, our youngest daughter because I, this is the best example I can think of. We had to really tailor the way that we communicate with her into very much a shorthand because for her, even in her good days, she's not verbose. Mm. She doesn't like to talk about stuff. And, she, when, and when we're talking about shorthand, we're just talking about sometimes a thumbs up. Right. And, and that has to be okay. Yeah, and, and your shorthand with me, the one that comes readily to mind was, are you doing okay? Or are you mad? Mm. 
which Just is actually very, very short well, question. Exactly, which is something that is echoed from a lot of different mental health organisations as well. Mm. Are you okay? And yeah. then, and then you have to trust what they're saying to you is where they're at. Well, because when I was first hurt and we had our kids, you would call me four or five times a day just to check in and make sure everything was okay. Mm. Out of genuine concern, not for the kids' safety, but for my mental health. It was, are you coping okay? Are things all right? Is it getting on top of you? Mm. And what we've now grown to and what we both understand is that Every morning when I wake up, because I always wake up later than you, um, you're going to check in with me and I have to check in with you. Um, and that's kind of a shorthand. And it's not, okay, I want to explain my feelings to you today. It's just, how are you doing? You're up. Are you able to function? Mm. You're yeah. listening to my tone um, and you're making your own mind up that, okay, I don't have to worry about him today. Okay. Exactly. Um, I do think when we're talking about perception, though, people need to be aware and the person with a mental health issue needs to be aware that at times that that person will come across to you as rude, mean, dismissive, as if they don't care about you. Uh, none of that's true. And you have to hang in there and you need to start the shorthand conversation to help you to get through those moments. Hmm. How were you, were you ever able to communicate that to me in a way that you felt I really took to heart? Um, definitely not in the early stages. Hmm. No, not at all. Well, in the I early think, stages, I was just struggling to keep my head above water. Yeah, so. I. And from my perspective, I was just struggling to understand what was what was going on, and how to even navigate it. Uh, well, one of your favourite expressions is the uh, knowledge is power. Hmm. It is. Uh, it I is. like I like to say that um, you can't fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. Yeah. But I think if someone's going to approach a person who they know with mental health issues to talk to them about these things, um, you would have to you would have to pick your moment. You couldn't just come at them at any time telling them all these things that they're doing wrong. Yeah. Well, I know <laughs> that the conversation with our shorthand was not a one-off conversation. It wasn't, okay, we're going to sit down, you're going to give me an okay symbol if you're a little bit angry, you're going to give me a thumbs up, you're going to give... It wasn't like that. It was... We need to build a shorthand. I want you to start thinking about that. And then you walked away. Mm. And then you came back a week later and said, have you had any thoughts about the shorthand thing? And, of course, I had by that time. But what you were doing there is you were de-escalating my symptoms by not trying to confront me while I was in the moment because I've already got my head screaming at me telling me that I suck. Then when the person that I love most in the world, the person that unfortunately is my carer, seems to criticise, it, it compounds. Mm. 
and you're not criticizing and you 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 may be frustrated with the situation but generally you're not frustrated with me as a person it's like yeah. I, I hate the way that this is he's behaving i hate what i'm seeing i still love him of course and that's an important thing for people with mental illness to understand mm. is that our moments may just last you know we can feel something very strongly in a moment and in five minutes later we're feeling strongly about something else <laughs> um so love i feel love for my kids and then one of them drops peanut butter on my lap or something i don't feel love for them anymore I can't distinguish between those two things, the fact that I still love them and the fact that I'm just angry at what they've done. But I've had to learn that other people aren't like that. You aren't like that. So when you say you love me in the morning, you still love me in the afternoon, mm. no matter what my head says. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important for to understand is just how at times just how mean someone can be and they don't mean it and the things you can say back to them um i i do think that you need just need to be really really careful in how you talk to each other but also the person who's suffering needs to understand and get more aware of themselves and and, some, and their impact and their impact on people mm. um but, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are in situations where family members and loved ones and friends just just don't care. They don't care enough to help them to see what their behaviour is like and then they're equally mean and rude back to them. Yeah. So the person without a mental illness isn't able to step back and take the emotion out of the thing and say, okay, what is this person really trying to say? trusting that okay person now is presenting with significant mental health issues um they're still the same person i think so they are the same person they just have these moments where where they're struggling inside themselves and at times where they are the worst version of themselves and they're mean yeah. it's all the bad all the absolute absolute worst parts of yourself that you know and that's what you present to other people do yeah i'm not as bad as i was with no, no no of course not no, no yeah not well, well what, what's changed in that space do you think i've had to work at it do you think I've... i think you've had to work very hard at it right. is what i think right. yeah you're talking about um such a vast difference where you're angry all the time i wouldn't say that you feel angry all the time now yeah um, do you feel angry all the time no 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 yeah but, but but when i start to panic when i start to feel out of control my first response is always anger yes. so at school today i wanted to lash out at the boys that were being noisy and boisterous mm. that was my first impulse just stand up and tell them all to shut the hell up. Mm. Um, it's like I don't have that switch that says that that run away 
switch. Mm. Like, like another educator at the thing today had to leave. Okay. Um, turns out they were unwell. But the one thing that we thought was we had to make sure that nothing had triggered them because mm. we want our educators in MEAC to be safe when they're presenting at a school. And that's our first assumption that something's happened and they run. And I don't really seem to have that running but that's not fight part or of, flight But response. that's not part of your personality. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, so I guess so. It, just because you have mental health issues doesn't mean that you completely lose yourself. Sometimes, some days you can, for sure, but... Lose myself in anger or... As in lose the person who you are. Oh, okay. At your essence, yeah. who are you as, as a person? Yeah. You, you, that person's still there. They still exist. It's just when you're going through um, uh, situations when your mental health is at its worst, I think it's harder to be your true self. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been falling back on this tsunami analogy lately. Like we see ourselves as a pristine beach in Indonesia, in Bali with palm trees and a Hawaii, beautiful white sand. But when a tsunami comes, it brings up all the rubbish from the bottom of the ocean and the tsunami is not a clean phenomenon. The water is not like what comes out your tap. A tsunami is ugly and it's terrible and it's destructive. So all those things that you've built up in your life, that you, you're starting to see your beach, your life, your personality as being pristine again, it's looking nice. Mm. But this tsunami of emotion comes. And if you don't have the patience to ride out the tsunami, you start to think that when the tsunami's at its peak, that this is my new normal. This is what the rest of my life is going to be like. Everything that I love about myself, everything that I've put in place is broken and destroyed and it's never going to get any better. Not understanding that with every tsunami, it will recede. Mm. It will go back. Um, the places in Archie in Indonesia that were just written off by the tsunami in 2004 or six are now pristine and beautiful again. Mm. And people have had to put work in, obviously. They can't just, you know, if a house gets knocked down, you've got to rebuild it. But when you're using that metaphor to talk about your mental illness and this idea that when things do recede, you've got to remember to put your systems in place so that you can rebuild. Mm, exactly. And you can rebuild more quickly than before. Exactly. Um I do want to point out that I like that you put an actual geographic location into your example. Um, <laughs> most people would just say a crystal clear beach. Um, they wouldn't say it's in Indonesia, but I like that. I like that. It's very specific. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> what's mental illness if you can't be a little bit anal? I, I tell you what. I got a note from my doctor that says I'm crazy. So no, I know. No, look, I love it. I love it. I, I was just sitting here, and you went crystal clear beach. And I thought I'm there, and then you went in Indonesia. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I haven't been there, well, but I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> that's why I threw in Hawaii because I know you've been to Hawaii. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the metaphor still stands. <laughs> the metaphor still stands. <laughs> I, I, 
whether you're on a crystal clear beach um, in your own country or another country, I think that's fine. Um, I think what's important is with the people who you love and care about in your world who have mental health issues, just start having your conversations and your dialogue when they're in a good space. And they could be rare. They, it could be hard to find them. Be patient. And as soon as it opens up where they seem to be a little more receptive, just approach them um, in a non-confrontational way. Yeah. And just say, hey. Yeah, walking up to them and going, your behaviour sucks and we've got to fix it. <laughs> it's now, unacceptable. Now, now you're not mental. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so that's definitely an example of how not to approach you. I would, if it was you and I, I would approach you and I would say, I was having a, I was having a thought that when you're not doing well, it would be good if I could ask you this and then you let me know yes or no. That's how I would approach that conversation. Yeah. Because I'm not coming at you saying um, your last mental health episode was really terrible and it was super hard and I hated every time you do this. That's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Well, you're going to close up because that's an attack. That's that, right. So it's just better off keeping it open. Yeah, and your mind's already telling you all those things. As a person with mental illness, your mind is already saying you suck. To have it confirmed on the outside is mm. like a red flag to a bull. Yeah, and I in wouldn't... In Pamplona in Spain. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I wouldn't even say to someone when, if they do have a mental health condition, so we need to talk. Oh, yeah, no, that's, Don't say that's that. not a good one. Or, um, like it was okay early on in our marriage, but I wouldn't now come up to you and say, now don't get upset when I say this to you. Yeah. That's that's not yeah, – I wouldn't go there either. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Because um, I see myself in the worst possible light. Well, that's right. And that's why I think it's better if you just go up to the person, um, perhaps smile and just say <laughs> – I was thinking yeah. this is a good idea. What do now, you think? Th they could shoot you down, but you're doing the best you can. And if it didn't work in that moment, pick another moment. It's important to note that one part of my personality, even before I got hurt, was if somebody mentioned something to me that I needed to change, something about myself, something that I was passionate about, and they were implying that it, there needed a change, I would always arc up in the moment. Mm. I'd jump to my own defence. Yeah. But then I'd go away and think about it and could come back and can have completely changed my mind. Yeah. So I like the idea of, you mentioned before, picking your moments. I like the idea of making an appointment. Tell me when you're in a good headspace, if you can't already tell, because sometimes for me, bad headspace, good headspace feels exactly the same. And tired headspace. Tired headspace, cranky headspace. It's the same. It, it's all the same. There, there's no <laughs> change in there, even though there is. Um, I like the idea of making an appointment. So, 
and not writing it down in a book or anything, but just saying, look, when you're in a bit of a bit of a better headspace, mm. I just want to talk to you about how I can ask you things in a way that doesn't upset you. Yeah. So you wouldn't go up to the person and say, I want to make an appointment with you. <laughs> that, that would be dorky. Go get my people to get in touch with your people. <laughs> that that would be weird. To I'll do get that. my youngest son to talk to your youngest daughter and make a time to schedule. But for the person with mental illness, if they've got that, if they understand that they've got the space to mull over something and be wrong with something, but they're able to do it privately by themselves. Mm. Because that was a lot of it, uh, that that criticism, that self-stigma, that that thing that I was terrible and that I sucked. And anybody that said anything remotely negative that I perceived was the God's honest truth and it agreed with every thought that I already had in my head. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So perception it is a powerful thing and it i think you know i don't know if you'd agree with me with this i uh, i think perception breaks up a lot of relationships people forget like we've talked about often you see these people on their wedding day i will love and cherish you forever and then five or six years later they're divorced it's like well did you forget that you said that or do you? Mm. and often it comes down to perception they now hate me. They now have changed how they feel about me. Have they really? Or are you just not communicating properly? And that's true. Legitimately, sometimes you can feel differently. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly where you're feeling resentful, which happens. It happens when you're in a relationship with someone who has mental health issues. You can feel very resentful. Yeah. Because for years on end, you can just be with a person who is, as we were saying, is that mean person all the time. Mm. Now, that's that would be hard for anyone to live with. Mm. Um, of course, a person with a mental health issue, they can't stand themselves. Um, and then the person who's living with them has to also live in this situation where everything they do is wrong. Um, and there's no right, there's no win for anyone. Yeah. Now that's hard. That's a hard place to be in, and the perception of that is can sometimes be very, very real. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to hear that. It's hard to talk about this stuff dispassionately without realizing that I'm talking about myself and how I let myself down, how my behaviors were not what I would have expected of myself. Mm. Um, but the progress and the process of fixing perceptions can take time and it does take a level of patience. And effort. On both both parties, yeah. uh, on your part and mine. All righty. Well, um, we want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast. I'd like to thank our producer, Meredith Brosnan, our executive producer, Torian Lau, and the band Adelaide for allowing us to use their song as our theme. 
Go to shatteredthepodcast.com for more information. Thanks, everyone. Subscribe, like, and share.